Hello, and welcome to episode 44 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're here to talk to you about movies, music, and all things media. Let's get on to the news first bit. Tony Jaa, Megan Fox, and 50 Cent have joined the cast of Expendables 4. I know you're excited, John. You're a big Expendables fan. The biggest Expendables fan. I I, I, I know. Don't worry about it. I uh, don't know when this is coming out, but it's. Uh, I, I guess 50 Cent is kind of cool. I didn't know he was still acting. I thought he was just kind of producing TV these days. Um, Making vitamin water. Making vitamin water, exactly. That, that's all, all he fifty or all he does. Moving on. Well, he oh. also uh, forgets who Ed Sheeran is when he collabs on a song with him and is in the same studio. I what, what happened? I wasn't aware of this. They made a song, him, Eminem, and uh, well, those two and Eminem. Um, they all three made a song together, and it was for Ed Sheeran's album. And Eminem was like, "Oh, we should do a collab thing because one of their collabs on some project went went really well." And he was like, dude, I would love to do a song with 50 Cent. And M was like, oh, no problem. I'll get 50. And so 50 just showed up on M's request, but didn't really know what he was doing. And so with uh, Ed Sheeran, he's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And 50 Cent was like, yeah, man. <laughs> just like treated like he didn't know who the fuck Ed Sheeran was. <laughs> he thought it was just some like fucking white fanboy, like sound tech dude or something. And then obviously they get in the booth and he does his thing and then they peace out. <laughs> it's just like. I'm sure that's, that's, 50 Cent meets... the last piece of 50 news I, I knew. I'm sure he meets hundreds of people a day, so I, I can't really blame him too much for that. But well, that is Sheeran's like the least celebrity-looking celebrity. I mean, he looks like a normal fucking bloke. So. For sure. For, normal bloke. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Right. Uh, not a normal guy. He's British. I mean, he's a bloke, so... Well, talking about blokes, Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke have been cast in Apple Films' Raymond and Ray is about two grave-digging brothers who come together after, after the death of their father. It's going to be directed by Rodrigo Garcia, who did HBO's In Treatment, and produced by Alfonso Caron. I don't actually know how to pronounce that man's Rome. last name. What is it? Curon. Curon. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, Alfonso Curon, you know, popular director and producer. Uh, there's not much else about it other than it's going to be kind of comedic. I I think it's supposed to come out next year. But uh, yeah, Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke, I'm not sure. I can't tell you if they've done anything together. Nothing nothing comes, comes to me. But uh, yeah, moving on. More Apple Films news. Apple Films movie Ghosted has cast Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans in its lead roles. It is described as a romantic action comedy and nothing much more than that. Where Black Widow and Captain America fall in love finally. Yeah, the alternate timeline. It's the new episode of Marvel's What If. Yeah, right, right, right. Yep. Uh, moving on, Amazon Studios has cast Randall Park and Sterling K. Brown in a new untitled action comedy. It centers on two estranged childhood best friends who now find themselves on opposite sides of the law. Whoa. Yeah, you've never, ever, ever heard that story at all. Uh, okay, Brandon. Very unique, very unique. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see both these people in a new Do you movie. know which one's going to be which? I which do one's not gonna be the cop, Which one's going to be the bad guy? I don't think they uh, acknowledge or describe. Because I kind of like Sterling K. Brown as the bad guy. Yeah, I think that'd be better. I, I, yeah, I definitely think that'd be better. But Randall Park has played a cop a lot, so maybe they might go for the opposite to, to try and like get him out of that typecast. I mean, he he, play, he played a cop for Marvel, you know? So, I don't know. Uh, I mean, whichever. I'm probably going to watch it, a buddy comedy with these two guys. I don't think they get enough love, honestly. I don't think... They should well, be some, household names. 
Is it is it going to be a buddy comedy though? They described it as they wanted it to uh, follow in the steps of some Eddie Murphy movie that I'd never heard of. So I assume it's going to be a buddy comedy. Uh, I mean, that's isn't that like every Eddie Murphy comedy movie? What movie is he in that you've never heard of? I don't know. I don't. You know, I'd have to look at the article again. Trading places? No, I've heard of trading places. Okay. <laughs> no. no well, I was thinking just... that's like about you know. A similar thing, opposite ends, you know? Well, Eddie Murphy's in a lot of buddy comedies, like I was saying. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be like that. I'm I'm not too sure. Harlem Nights? Uh, I don't think that's it either. Showtime? Uh, don't know. We can just list off his whole filmography if you can. Well, Showtime is a buddy cop-ish, but it's Robert De Niro, Eddie Murphy, 2002. Weird. And I had never heard of it. Yeah, Most that's Death, actually Wicked weird. Didn't know most Def and William Shatner were in the same movie together. Uh, that's that's news to me, honestly. Uh, yeah, sure. Anyway. Now, well, yeah, let's just yeah, it's, it's Showtime. Yeah, it's Showtime, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, moving on, Netflix original movie Reptile, which previously cast Benicio del Toro as its main character. I'm going to interrupt now... you again. Go for it. Alex Borstein and James Rode are in it. That's a stat cast. Okay. It's crazy. What? Like, what is this movie? You say it's 2002. Yeah. Huh. Must have been really bad or something. It's got to be the worst movie of all time. <laughs> I want sure. Can we do? Can we do a retro cast one day and go back and? Sure. I watch it so bad. The world's our oyster, John. We can do whatever we want on this show. The budget oh. was eighty-five mil. It made seventy-seven. Oh, that's not well. Yeah, that's not good at all. Eighty mil in two thousand two. That's a lot 85. of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Damn. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, (laughs) Netflix movie Reptile, which previously cast Benicio Del Toro as its main character, has now cast Justin Timberlake to star opposite of him. Uh, I I didn't realize JT was still acting. I I haven't. That uh, Apple TV Plus movie I told you to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You talked about that. I didn't... uh... I didn't watch it though, so maybe maybe that's why I haven't seen him acting in a while. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen him in anything recently. He's been in like four things the last three. He was in the Trolls movies. That doesn't count. Uh, something called Wonder Wheel. Okay. Kate Winslet, Jim Belushi, him. <laughs> okay, sure. I've never I... heard of that, but Palmer was the one I was thinking of. Oh yeah, yeah okay. Apple Palmer, TV Plus. Right, 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 right. See, I, I haven't really thought of him in acting. Or thought of him as an actor since what those two I'm... movies came out in time and um, the comedy movie. It was either No Strings Attached or Friends with Benefits. They came out the same year, but it, I think it's no one strings of the... attached. Well, whichever one he was in one of the, and that's the last time I associate him with that. Nope, it's Friends with Benefits. Darn, what's uh, the other one's Ashton Kutcher, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Also, he's in something else in that time period too, where he's like a teacher or something with. Uh... Oh, bad teacher! Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what it's called. With, With Cameron uh, Diaz. What's her name? Yes. His old, his old fling. Yeah. Bad teacher, I think, maybe? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's bad teacher. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was all around the same time. Moving on, Tony Yacinda and Dan Peralt, the creators of the Netflix original show American Vandal, are producing a new mockumentary series for Paramount Plus called Players. It will focus on a fictional League of Legends esports team who are striving to win their first championship. I had a question. Yeah. Is it actually League of Legends? Yeah, hundred percent. That's what they said. Interesting. So it's I, the first I League of Legends movie. Technically, I think it's a show, but 
Technically, I guess it will be, yeah. Uh, Unless that uh, Netflix League of Legends thing comes out before it. So who knows? It's a race to the first. Yeah. But I I really Um, enjoy American Vandal, so I'm excited to see what these two guys do next, uh, especially the mockumentary format. Is American Vandal the thing about Lexington with the paint heist? No. It's the mockumentary about the kid who sprays dicks on cars. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really both seasons were really good. Uh, I thought it was a very realistic. What am I thinking of? Approach. As an American heist or something? Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. That's not that either. Yeah, well, we're getting uh, players for Paramount Plus. I think it's going to be fast tracked, so we might see it next year. And I assume Tencent or Tencent owns American Riot, Animals. Or... American Animals. No, Riot owns Riot. Oh, okay. Well, I assume Riot has a hand in this since. They're actually using League of Legends, so it's probably a good uh, little product placement for them. But uh, yeah, talking more about some video game adaptations, the Life of License. Go restart that. The Life is Strange video game is getting a TV adaptation produced by Sean Mendes and Legendary Television. Uh, the series has been in the works apparently since 2016, and due to some rights things they sold it to hulu and then hulu lost the rights so it reverted back to legendary so now they're back to producing it uh i don't know i didn't know the series was popular enough to really spawn a tv show uh i feel like it's a very niche video game series but uh could be interesting i think it's like light supernatural kind of teen drama or early 20s you know kind of drama but uh yeah moving on Paul Schrader's next movie will be titled Master Gardener, and it will star Joel Edgerton and Sigourney Weaver. It follows a horticulturist who works on the estate owned by Weaver's character, but when the woman asks the gardener gardener to tend to her niece, issues from a dark past come to haunt them. Which happens to be a plant that's also summoning a demon and the whole thing. I'm thinking, You've seen I'm, it. Well, I'm thinking there's just like horrors, their right? bodies under the plants, you know? Like, he, he digs up the plants and boom, bodies. But, uh... I, no, I, it's I a little horse. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. she was in that. Sigourney Weaver. Was she? What? Pretty sure. I don't think you're right there. I I really well, we're don't think you're right. Find a little bitch. A little bitch. Yeah, I, uh, we need the intern on that one. Uh, let's see. What the fuck's the movie just called? Little Shop of Horrors. Um, it has. Not her. Yeah, get fucked, <laughs> idiot. Stupid ass intern, you're fired. Why would you tell me that in my ear and then be wrong? How could he? Uh, yeah, but uh, it's Paul Schrader's next movie. Paul Schrader being the writer and director of like movies for the last fifty years or so. He wrote Taxi Driver, um, among a lot of other things. You'll you would know his filmography if you looked it up. Uh, but yeah, moving on, another biopic off a celebrity has been announced, but this time it's Amy Winehouse. We are getting a biopic courtesy of a production company called Halcyon Studios. Halcyon? I don't don't know. Halcyon? Okay. Uh, I tried looking up who Halcyon Studios was, and they do not have easily attainable information. Uh, so I I, I couldn't tell you whether this is going to be, like, TV movie budget, lifetime style, or actual theatrical release budget. I don't know. Uh, moving on, Lord Miller, which is the production company by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I think that's their names. Uh, is producing a movie based on Dennis Rodman's 48 Hours in Vegas. 
That is the time when Dennis Rodman spent two days in Vegas instead of actually practicing with the Bulls during one of their big playoffs or playoff seasons. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, Dennis Rodman biopic. I'll, you know, I'll, I'd watch that. I'd honestly watch it just a Dennis Rodman movie or a Netflix special. Just the last dance, but it's all Dennis Rodman. Basically, anything based in Las Vegas is upped a little bit. And the fact that it's Dennis Rodman and all these big basketball icons, I mean, it's probably going to be entertaining at the very least. Uh, I want to rewind for a sec because I got the interns on it. Uh, the only digging for Halcyon Studios I could find was his, the name of the CEO was mentioned. So I found his LinkedIn page where there's a little bit more description. Nice. Uh, so the CEO of Halcyon Studios uh, in his about page says, this is an LA-based global TV production studio wholly owned by Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment Group. Okay. Okay. Chicken going. Soup for the Soul Entertainment Group is a fast-growing provider of positive, entertaining video content that brings the best out of human spirit. It was founded in 1993. They have a bunch of uh, fucking networks and distributions and things, but I'll just go through quickly and say it's uh, A Plus, which is a journalism site founded by Ashton Kutcher. They've got Landmark Studio uh, Group, which does a bunch of TV movies. They got Screen Media. Um, and then they have originals based out of that name, Chicken Soup for the Soul. So this is like one of their little proprietary things that just doesn't have a website because it doesn't need one. Weird. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Jason Statham is set to star in a new movie called The Beekeeper for Miramax. It is described as a lightning-paced thriller deeply steeped in the mythology of beekeeping. If that doesn't get you off your seat and excited for a movie... I don't know what will, okay? Everyone knows beekeeping is one of the most exciting hobbies out there. It's just... What has Miramax done? They do a lot of things. I just couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I mean, they've been producing movies for the last 30 years, 20 I'm think, years oh, at I'm least. Th I was thinking, like, recently. Uh, you know, I don't know their recent track record. It's hard to keep up, especially when they're being outshined. Outshone. Miramax was co-founded by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, classic, classic. They probably distanced themselves a bit from that claim or from that fact. Oh, oh Miramax is huge, actually. Okay, Miramax is never huge. mind. No, no, no. Like big, big. Like bigger than you think they're big. No, like 20th century huge. 20th like, century studio. They, they have like all the big television rights in other countries oh. uh, with their sports networks and stuff. Sports networks, okay. Yeah, yeah like BN Media Group is like a Latin American and uh, Middle Eastern. Like they cover a lot of Latin American and Middle Eastern um, boarding things uh, and random like little one-off TV show things that I've never watched particularly, but that and then Sky Sports. It's a huge uh, Italian and British. Is that is that related to Sky News or is that separate yes. things? Oh, oh wow! Miramax got the it's money, like got their hands in all the pots. Yeah, uh, I'm looking like just a bunch of stuff, but Lionsgate. Uh, Spyglass Media Group, Viacom. Viacom, that doesn't... But they're all, like, they all have, like, partial ownership of, um, this one, Miramax. Oh, so, okay. Like, all these huge ones are also tied to Miramax, so it's just giganto. So pretty much this is just a random movie about beekeeping, is what you're saying. Like, it doesn't really matter that's Miramax, like the article yes. would, uh, have you think? Okay. Uh, moving on to reboots and sequel news, Jungle Cruise 2 has been confirmed by Disney. It's going to be the same writer and director. The Rock and Emily Blunt are returning. 
not really that surprising. It's made like a hundred million at the box office, and it's probably made too much money on Disney Premier Access. So, I'm sure you know I, I'm not surprised by this. Disney loves sequels. Uh, I, I was reading this article, and they mentioned that Jungle Book is getting a prequel movie, and I don't understand. So I just didn't know that was even a thing. Maybe I just missed that announcement. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even know what a prequel to the Jungle Book means. But uh, where Mowgli's from? That, that's what I'm saying. Like, like if Mowgli's not a part of it, why is it even the Jungle Book? I, I don't even. I don't understand. That's the whole story. Is Mowgli? Uh, it's kind of. What's the bear's name? Baloo. Maybe it's Baloo's origin. I mean, I guess that'd be funny, but I don't know. Like, like Shere Khan and Bagheera when they're younger. It's, it's weird to me that they're thinking about a prequel for that. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. I think it's Jungle Book. I hope it's not Lion King, and I'm looking like a real dummy right now. But either way, these live-action hybrids don't really need prequels. I don't think. And who cares? Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving on to some more Disney news. Disney is making the Return of the Rocketeer movie for Disney Plus. It is a reboot to their old. 90s movie, The Rocketeer. Uh, David Oyelowo is going to produce and possibly star. Uh, that is the man who played Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. And he did that like midnight something for HBO. And I haven't really seen him in a ton the last couple of years. But uh, the... he was in um, Gringo and The Butler. Is Gringo the Mel Gibson movie? Or is that a different one? I don't know. I think I think Mel Gibson has a movie called Gringo, so not the one I was thinking of. It's like Charlie Theron and him. Okay, uh, and he's like a middle. What's the word? Like a middle manager kind of thing, a uh, businessman in the U.S. And he's got to go to Mexico on a trip, and it turns out he was like assigned the wrong trip to go on, and Classic. it turns out this place has been like embezzling and has cartel ties and all kinds of shit. And he's like, uh, I'm just like a regular dude. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the last time we've seen the Rocketeer since Disney's. I think they made a Disney Junior show based on the Rocketeer, and that that always confused me because I don't know who that's really for. Because the Rocketeer is not a popular IP at all, and uh, it makes sense that they're making a Disney Plus movie. So yeah, we'll be we'll be seeing that within the next couple of years. Moving on, Hollywood Reporter reports that Netflix has secured the rights to the upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. It will skip theaters entirely and release... And it'll be the best one that they've ever released. I mean, you know, maybe. As far as success, (laughs) not quality. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Netflix will claim that, too. They'll be like, this is the best or the most watched horror movie ever we've ever done. Uh, Just like they do for every single thing they announce or release. Uh, moving on to some more streaming services releasing, uh, you know, a, a a sequel and a big series of horror movie news. Paranormal Activity 7 is to premiere on Paramount Plus on Halloween. Yes, I know. I know everyone listening are huge fans of Paranormal Activity. They've seen all six of them, apparently. I thought there's only five. Or maybe there's... I've been over this before, too. Yeah, we, we really have. There, there's like five with a spinoff. Or, yeah, I think there, I think there's five mainline ones, and then there's a spinoff called like the Marked Ones, Paranormal Activity, the Marked Ones, and the sixth one was the Ghost Dimension. Oh, okay, okay, I did not know the Ghost Dimension one. All right, 
I remember one. I think I'm telling you, I'm getting really bad deja vu. We've had this whole conversation before. I think Paranormal Activity 4 had this weird thing where they used the Xbox Connect when that was still a thing that Microsoft cared about. And so you could see the ghost in the Kinect's weird camera, and that was like some weird marketing ploy. I are you thinking about the VR game? No, 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 no. There's is like Paranormal Activity three or four, and there there's literally a part where they hook up their Kinect and they turn Ooh, on the yes. weird field. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, back when they had all their eggs in that Kinect basket. Moving on to some renewal cancellation news. Cobra Kai has been renewed at Netflix for season five or for, the, for its fifth season. Uh, this is before season four has even come out. So Netflix must People be watch liking... that. Have you watched that? I watched one episode and it just did it. I don't know. I, I didn't like the vibe it was giving me. It felt I'm not going to claim that no one's taking their time to make this thing, but it felt kind of cheap and very cable TV like. Uh, I mean, it was a what a YouTube original back when YouTube was trying to make TV shows uh, before YouTube Red was a thing or whatever they call it. I, I I don't remember all that, but it was a YouTube show. Then it got canceled. Netflix picked it up, picked it up. But uh, I guess they're happy with the numbers because, like we've said before, Netflix is not afraid to put a show on the chopping block. And so it's uh, it's curious to see that they've renewed it before the fourth season's even out. Speaking of Netflix picking up some canceled TV shows, Netflix has picked up Manifest, which was canceled by NBC last year for one final season after the fan movements and I think just the numbers. I think Netflix viewers just happened to like Manifest. Uh, it seemed pretty cable tele- network uh, television to me, but uh, yeah, Manifest looks like a fake lost. I don't know. I don't really care. It's just interesting because I remember people seeming to like it when it was added to Netflix. Moving on to the last group of news, The Problem with Jon Stewart is set to premiere on September 30th on Apple TV+. It'll be a single-issue deep dive in every episode. It'll be weekly, and we'll also have a companion series podcast on top of that. Sick. That's hype. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Jon Stewart's back. I, th- I think the world uh, needed The Daily Show, and we didn't even realize it. Well, and every replacement show has been almost absolute dog shit trash. Save Stephen Colbert a little bit and save John Oliver just a little bit, like way less than Stephen Colbert. Uh, so, yeah, it's much needed. And hopefully it lives up to a tenth of the potential that it has uh, and it'll still be good. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, th- I think there has been a void that John Stewart left when he, you know, left television or uh, i don't want to say a gaping news, asshole but, you know. the size of john stewart yeah and we just we've never been able to fill it so let's just get john stewart <laughs> yeah. right back in there yeah get john stewart to stuff us fucking so tight i i mean i'm kind of i'm kind of bummed that's not going to be just plain old daily daily show but what, whatever whatever i'll take weekly uh moving on last piece of news we got our first look at the amazon's wheel of time tv show been in the making for the last three or four years now and apparently it's releasing on november 19th uh that should excite wheel of time fans i'm not but you know i I guess if you're into that sort of thing uh i only want to comment on this what's wheel of time it's a popular book series from uh, i think the 70s and 80s or it started way back in the 70s or 80s uh it's just uh I, I think it takes over. It takes place over like six different timelines or something. It, it, some heavy Cloud Atlas vibes to me. I was honestly. gonna say Cloud Atlas. But yeah, maybe it, I'd like it. 
it, it's got weird timeline things, and I, I think there's a hero that goes between the timelines or something, or I don't know, man. I, I have seen that we're all generally. connected over time, and we just keep reliving our lives differently. Yeah, the trailer literally, I'm pretty sure, says that, <laughs> like, like verbatim says uh we're, we're pretty much all the same where the timeline's the same yada yada you get it time shows yeah it's time it time yeah and that was the last piece of news if you want to move on to album releases for the week oh do i ever want to so starting out we got big boy and sleepy brown uh sleeping Brown, probably the lesser known of the two but it's gonna be called the big sleepover because combining our names that's is an amazing s- name okay that's amazing is a fashionable way of doing your album title. Especially for a collab album. Uh, we got Drake Certified Lover Boy. Um, Imagine Dragons has this thing called Mercury Act One, which is awful because that means that there's going to be at least one more act, but there's no such thing as a two act show, so it's at least two more albums yep. in a theme. And uh, the only band I can think of off the top of my head that's numbered their albums like that for like a group themed album is Green Day for the Uno Dos Trace, which was all dog shit trash. And Sweet. actually, new philosophy, I don't know that pop or rap overtook rock. I think Green Day murdered rock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because really? think about the timeline there. When did Uno Dos Trace come out? That's when rock died. I mean, you're you're putting a lot of a lot of weight on Green Day's decisions. Uh, I think there's a lot of bands that killed rock when they just, when they just started to blend the the easygoingness of rock with just trying to make a popular song that people happen to like. Uh, I mean, I feel like Green Day's just a, a facet of the death of rock. I mean, I'll get behind the statement that Green Day might have been a part of it, but uh, yeah, they they had three albums. All three of those albums came out in 2012. I'm gonna say Green Day killed it. Rock Green died Day before killed that. It. Nah, Rock died. I'd say 2010 no, was probably no. Rock was diagnosed with metastatic cancer before 2012, Shit. and Green Day put the bullet in Rock's head to save it from itself. Whoa! I mean, listen, it wanted to go out like that. Okay, it didn't want to suffer yeah, with, a, with a literal fucking bang, a countdown from three, and then lights out. Yeah. That's in the chat for Rock. All right. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, Imagine Dragons as the first of a series. Um, what everyone asked for, for sure, was the 17th album from a little band called Iron Maiden. Uh, so you I got did. that to look forward to. Senjutsu, uh, because what goes better with rap than zombie samurais? Uh, wait, 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 wait. What? Metal. Sorry, metal, not rap. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean... As much of a old Iron Maiden fan as I am, I I can't I can't tell you I'm exactly excited because I don't think I've listened to like their last ten albums since you just said seventeen. I seventeen. Feel, I feel as though I've only listened to five or six of those. So well, and the last one came out six years ago, so they like really took their time with this, which is way more unfortunate than them just churning out shit every year. Listen, I, I know their fans will still go to the shows and still do their things. People love Bruce Dickinson, and he has an awesome voice. I'll give them that. But, uh, yeah, people like Iron Maiden. Or Iron Maiden fans really like Iron Maiden. Uh, and we only really have one other little thing that's worth mentioning, in my opinion. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, and that's Lady Gaga has uh, the remix of her previous album. It's called Donna Chromatica. It's the remix of Chromatica, her uh, sixth album. But this is her third remix album. She really likes doing these remix things. Weird. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't like, get it. People who like that shit, you all fucking jam out. You you give Lady Gaga more money. She's poor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it for albums. Okay. Uh, what'd you do this week? All just plenty of stuff, ton of stuff. Dude, just like literally the most stuff anyone could imagine. Uh, and I know that you know that that's a big lie because I didn't add a single song to our playlist this week. Because <laughs> I didn't be, listen is to that any two music. Weeks in a row? That might be, yeah. Go figure working a job <laughs> full-time. Uh, Let's just have really, you, really you just tell some patient stories, you know? That's not any or that, that's not any violation of anyone's rights, right? Or privacy? No, like, no, no just have for sure not. Stories. It'll be under the guise of teaching, so yeah. We can do that next week. But yeah, I, I, I did listen to one thing. Let me try to find it real quick, because I realized I probably didn't add it to place, but it's because I don't know that it's new. Um, so why don't you start, and I'll come back. I, mean, I, I did got, listen to something that's worth to mentioning. Talk about, okay, my my week's been normal, so uh, I guess I'll I'll start with music. So if you figure it out, you can just chime in. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I found a cover of "This Time Around," which is a song by Jessica Pratt that I talked about two months ago, maybe month and a half, two months ago. Uh, it's a cover by Jonah Yano. It's really good. It, it's it's pretty much the same song. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of one of those covers that you don't. You're not really too sure why the artist chose to cover it if they're just kind of retread the same thing. But, you know, it's solid. I don't know if that's more credit to the song itself. Uh, then I listened to that Cheers to the Best Memories, which is that album project from Division and Ty Dolla Sign. Man, oh man, it's just the same problems Division has always had. I, I like and respect those two men, but they... I don't know. They they can't seem to just drive it home, you know. Like like they can give you all the basics and give you some bops and give you some vibes, but as an album, just con- you know, one song after another, it's not great. It's it's very overproduced in my opinion. Like even the songs I like are a little overproduced. Um, but when they slow down and they only have a couple instrumentals and it's all nice and chill and like that, it's really good. But that only happens a you know a couple times in the whole album. So, They're on um, OVO, aren't they? Maybe. Maybe. I, I couldn't dispute that. Uh, yeah, I, I can't dispute that. I, I just remember Division from, like, SoundCloud days and stuff. It did. Uh Yeah, they are on OVO. Okay, well, that's interesting, I guess. I felt like there wasn't really any promotion for it, even on Spotify or anything like that. Uh, yeah, they're uh, they're from Toronto, actually. I didn't know that. So they're like really on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, then I just I just want to shout out this one EP project, uh, Crush by Raven Linnae. It was featured in Candyman. The one song was featured in Candyman. It was when they were all chilling together with the guy and his boyfriend and stuff. Say it again? In Candyman, when the, the, at the beginning, when they're chilling with the guy and his boyfriend at the beginning. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, well, one of the songs on Crush EP was on there, so I just want to shout out Raven Linnae's amazing. Her voice is amazing. Uh, that's the EP that started my Triple Vision playlist, so I think that's all you need to know. Fantastic EP, listen to that. Did you figure out the song you were thinking of? Yes, uh, so Spotify released a feature called Blend recently where you, like, can send someone a link basically who also has Spotify and then oh. based on your all's listening habits, it merges and makes a playlist for you too. Is that the thing you sent me? Um, yes, it is. Uh, and so mine with Hunter had this song, but it's from 2017. And then he separately messaged me about that song yesterday. 
Um, so it's called, uh, oh my God, how did I just forget it already? I already lost uh, it. Blame the uh, intern, you know? Uh, yeah, it's the intern's fault. Oh, it's called Spilled Milk by Flyboy Tarantino. Um, what a name. What a name. It is an absolute banger of a song. It's like perfect. Put on your party bangers playlist and just fucking melt face. Like it is, it is good. I'm sorry. What's uh, his name? What's his artist name again? It's if Logic and a different douchier version of Logic had a baby and decided to make a name. Flyboy Tarantino. Flyboy Tarantino. Okay, I just don't understand. That's just, I don't know. Okay, whatever, whatever. Uh, and then as far as watching things, um, of course, been keeping up with Bachelor in Paradise. You know, Classic, how, it is. You know how it is. You know how it is. Uh, pretty good, honestly. It's entertaining. You know, it doesn't get much better than entertaining at this point. Really, TV sucks for the yeah, most yeah. part. So <laughs> entertaining is entertaining is worthwhile. Um, as far as good TV is concerned and things I've been watching, I started that Stanley Tucci documentary, which I recommend to you now twice. Um, accidentally, because I forgot the first time, but. Uh, for anyone who likes Anthony Bourdain and or travel channel slash food networky TV and culture shows, this is up there, especially if you like Stanley Tucci, I would like triple recommend it. Um, it's just really, really entertaining and engaging. Um, if you're vegan, it's not a lot of vegan eating. I'll tell you that much. There's a lot of just straight meat, raw meat eaten, but it's so it's a lot of cool Italian cuisine. I didn't know about that. So it's all about. centered it's really around cool. Italy and Italian yeah, all the aspects. All the uh, regions, which are functionally like U.S. states, because each region has a capital. Um, yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. Sure. There's a okay. lot of cool yeah. shit I learned about Italy. I, like a bunch of stuff. Like um, they talk about like some of the politics in Italy and like how like obviously in many places around the world, right wing fascism shit's growing. Um, but specifically in northern Italy, where Milan is, there's like a movement called the League, which is like this like very far right, uh, anti-immigrant. Italy first movement that's happening. Um, and yeah, it's just really cool. It's really interesting. Um, good show. 10 out of 10. And Stanley Tucci, I didn't know this. He's like really Italian. You know, some Italian Americans aren't really Italian. You know what I mean? Like look at any of the Guidos in Jersey Shore to realize that they're not really Italian. Um, all right. I shouldn't gatekeep being Italian. I mean, they yeah, are literally on, Italian, but like. You can only you gatekeep being Italian if you're Italian, John. Okay. If you if you don't speak Italian and you don't cook Italian food, just because you have Italian grandparents doesn't make you Italian. You know what I mean? Like me. I'm Cuban by color alone. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so he uh he like really speaks Italian. he really speaks Italian and he lived in Italy for some time and shot like some of his first movies in Italian in Italy. Um okay. So yeah, he's it's it's really cool, and so he's like speaking with him Italian, and it's just uh, subtitled a lot of the times because they're obviously conversing. I would uh, hope. So it's kinda cool. I would hope there's it's subtitles. Cool. It's kind of cool. All um, right, I'll take a word for it. But outside of that, uh, I watched a little bit more of Hacks. I still haven't finished it, unfortunately, but it is a pretty good show. It's really entertaining. Um, so basically, HBO Max is like probably my most watched streaming uh, site for the moment. I think I have one more week to wait on Ted Lasso, so I haven't caught up with that. But Yeah, I think I'm going to really enjoy the next year or two of HBO Max trying to put Max Originals that compete with everything else. 
Like, and I, they are working. Yeah, they are competing. I, yeah. I think that literally brings out the best in TV or whatever, you know, movies, you, you know, whatever, streaming services. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about all this content that they've put out and they're putting out this year. Is that all you, is that all you watched? Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. Uh, I watched, speaking of HBO Max, I'll just segue into that. I started the Samurai Jack revival last season. Uh, I wanted to watch every episode beforehand, but... I just kind of, I don't know, I lost track of it about a year ago. I just stopped like halfway through. So I just figured I'd jump to the final season. That show's amazing. Animation's amazing. Uh, Jindy Tartakovsky is an amazing animator and a genius when it comes to art. Uh, I don't know. I can't say too much about that show. But uh, then I watched Dave, season two. That's fantastic, man. The way... I'm you, it's so man. good. Uh, that show's good. Probably it better doesn't than deserve to be one. that good. No, it doesn't. It's probably better than season one, I'll say. Agreed. Uh, but I just want to talk about how it's easily one of the, I don't know, the best examples or the epitome of good, solid, realistic writing to me. I think its script is absolutely phenomenal because all these characters just seem real. Just absolutely every single one, even though it's like, oh, hey, that's an actor, or hey, that's a celebrity getting paid to sit here. It just—it all seems so real, and there's there's something to that in the way they present it. That just—it doesn't deserve, or sorry, it the, doesn't uh, uh, it doesn't get enough credit. The way there was like three big episodes this season um, that really stood out to me. Surprisingly, this finale I was not super happy with. It was fine, you know what I mean, but it was yeah, a little yeah. bit, it was a little bit grandiose for the show. I felt like. It kind of um, took advantage of my favorite episode in season one without really doing the groundwork that that episode did. But it was fine. It was fine. In, in the same vein, for me, it felt like that enlightened episode where it was Rick Rubin's house and he's like doing the Rick Rubin experience without Rick Rubin actually being there. That episode did the groundwork and did this big over-the-top like cerebral meta thing. Yes. And then episode 10 tried to do the same thing, but again with like a stage performance and it just felt a little bit just a dumbed down version of the previous episode. So I was like, what? Like the, the, the Rick Rubin one could have been the season finale for me, but it didn't have the overarching story themes. You know what I mean? To let it be the finale. So I get why they did it that way, but um, either way, the three episodes I would say are like the most pivotal for me or one, the Dave and Benny just hanging out at the house, peanut butter on asshole gum yeah, thing. Yeah, that's like <laughs> That's just a great episode of just like, just banter and weird friendship, but also like the issues that he's obviously like developing within his posse with Gata and um, obviously like, you know, him being white in a very black space and like just the weirdness that he has about it. That's obvious. Um, the second one was uh, Adman where he's doing his XXL freshman interview shit. Yeah. Because yeah. um, once again, there's all the posse tensions with um, I'm forgetting his the name now of his friend that's the woman that wants to be like a director and stuff uh, but he basically just like papoos her all our ideas and shit yeah uh yeah um, I, I just want to say the rick rubin episode is and then rick rubin's the third one yeah. yeah i was like the rick rubin one is like the best episode of the season for sure um also i love that they brought yachty and designer back for this because what have those two been doing like that michigan boy boat cringe and designer's been dead for like the last six years i was about to say (laughs) i i don't think that applies to yachty because yachty's putting out music even though you and i might not like he's putting out music has designer put out any music in the last one kanye kanye bought his balls like 
whatever when Panda came out, and <laughs> it just keeps him locked in a vault for the next yeah, easy just drop. Destroyed his career. <laughs> I would love to know how designer's career or how that trajectory came about. I would love to. I mean, maybe maybe he that. just gets paid to be like a a house writer for good music or something. I don't know. No idea. No, I don't think he's with Kanye anymore. I don't think he's with that anymore. I, I Did think, he drop good music as a No, label? I think they dropped him. I think like a couple of years ago or something. I'm pretty oh, sure wow. that I'm pretty sure that happened. Let's get an intern on it. You yeah. go ahead with the next thing. Just making some claims here. Uh, then I started that White Lotus show, the Hotel Resort HBO Max original. That first episode was okay, but the second episode starts off with one of the most cringiest scenes in the world, and not in the oh, this is Dave, and so the cringe is hilarious and amazing. It was more just cringe and unrealistic and. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch that show. That was a really bad scene. Kind of just left a really bad taste in my mouth. And the last thing I watched was Logan's Run because it was leaving HBO Max. And, oh, it's already gone, I think, because I watched it like three days ago. Um, it's kind of weird watching old retro sci-fi movies like pre-Star Wars because you can obviously tell the effects Star Wars had and made you know made every sci-fi movie a space opera, whether you liked it or not. Uh, so it's weird to see a sci-fi movie pre-Star Wars or maybe like pre-effects of Star Wars. I don't know if it's actually right before Star Wars or not. But uh, I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, it's just it's just got a vibe to it. The story's very just on the nose. There's not much to it, really, even though it's got a very deep meaning. It doesn't really present itself as such. Uh, I don't know. Old old sci-fi movie. It's I last thing I want to say about it is that it's rated PG. You got to be joking because there is there is uh, sexually aggressive scenes. There's nudity. There is a guy getting killed by a laser, and it's just PG. Like like <laughs> movie ratings meant nothing back then. I don't think, and it's weird to me that movie ratings have kind of this ebb and flow where I guess they weren't that big of a deal back in the seventies, but in the nineties, you know, you couldn't say fuck on a PG thirteen movie, but now you can say once or twice and. I don't know. It's really weird how ratings have just kind of gotten more strict, less strict, more strict, etc. But uh, that's all I did for this week. Uh, so intern came back with some news. Uh, designer left Good Music in 2019. Ah, two years ago. Boom. But he's had three songs released this year as singles, assumingly for an album that should probably drop soon-ish. Good to know. So we have that to look forward to. Yeah. Maybe we'll review that, but um, I forgot on this. Uh, oh, I mean, on the intern search, they reminded me right. <laughs> uh, that um, Timmy Turner is a song that I loved. Yep. Do you oh. remember how obsessed I was with that? No, because I didn't love it. Oh, I was so obsessed. I listened to it like multiple times every day. <laughs> I like that original snippet that he came out with. Yes, but yeah, then it was the like real 45 seconds. Sucked. Yeah. Oh, I never listened to the real song. Real song sucked. I didn't even realize it was the real song. I thought that was it. I thought it was that thing. It was just a loop. No, I think he tried to market or, you know, take advantage of the marketing of that fact and tried to make a real song, and it wasn't It wasn't good. But uh, what do you uh, want to review first? Great question. Um, let's do a movie first. Yeah, okay. I can't say the same things about these things, but I feel like I... I feel the same things about these two things. I don't know. Well, go ahead. You, you'd kick us off. Yeah, okay. Um, I kind of just want to do a summary of my review for Candyman. Just like a complete summary because I, I could I could cap it off with one sentence. 
uh, or a phrase. Start with a sentence. Start yeah, with a sentence. I, I learned more about the social dynamics of gentrification more than I learned about what makes a good movie. And I think that's really weird. <laughs> I, I, it didn't. It didn't do anything crazy for me. I, I, I got this feeling that this movie was setting up things that just were never going to happen. And the more it got to the end, the more I started really realizing that. Uh, it felt like a chapter in an anthological series that happened to be about old horror movies. You know, like if Showtime had an anthology called like horror movies and, you know, they had a modern take of Candyman, this would be that episode. Because it didn't really do much for me. I didn't care about these characters that much. Uh, whether it What was... you're saying is you're a Nazi and a racist. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> what I'm saying is this is not a great movie. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't scary. This is a horror movie, and it felt very... I don't know. It felt very tropey and cliche with its scares. Like, hey, reflections are scary. You've never seen that in a movie. Uh, just there are moments. I don't know. It's about as lazy as jump scares. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, it's lazy, but it yeah. doesn't make it not scary. I think it does. I think it do. Uh, I. I, I well, don't I mean, know. if you jump at a jump scare, it still made you jump. So, it's lazy jump. It's not a fun so. jump. It's not exciting jump, but you jump. So it did its job. I I don't know who you're talking to. Though. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought the movie started off strong, which kind of sucks because I thought its whole modern relevance to the whole plot was actually really neat and how they're tying it back together where, you know, it used to be a, a marginalized region and then rich white people came in and just replaced it with other things. And that was a cool setup, but it felt like that didn't really become relevant at all or they didn't really use that other than, oh, hey, Candyman happens to kill white people. And I, I don't know. Well, man, besides, it's really weird. Besides, yeah, besides the Candyman just killing white people, I thought the weirdest thing was that it was like indiscriminately killing white people. Whereas like, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong here. The whole point was that it was particularly like discriminatory against black people. So to indiscriminately kill people felt just weird to me, but maybe I was confused by that. Um, and on a similar note, I don't know. I, I thought the movie was scary enough. Like I thought it did that job fine. Like I was not impressed by any of the scares. I didn't go, wow, this was really novel or really mood setting. It was just like, no, he's going to be a scary monster in the mirror. And then once we establish that that won't scare you anymore, we'll make him turn into a swarm of bees. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm or, gonna... like we'll show you rotting flesh or, you know, cut a dude's hand off. But at that point, you're basically desensitized to the gore. Because they'd shown you like a dude's net getting slit in like the first thirty minutes. Yeah, and like I'm not I'm not gonna be the guy who says, Oh, you need some violence in a movie or whatever, but when you have a movie like this where the ghost villain or whatever is literally murdering people in very graphic ways and you don't have like a really big rampage at the end. It's kind of underwhelming. Like when the cops at the end, like that happened, sure, but it going didn't to be, feel like a rampage. It just... I was going to say that I thought the cop scene was going to be a lot more totalitarian or a lot more just like fatalistic. And then it went like, I don't even know. It went really, really soft, like almost Very like, soft. oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let these guys go. Psych. And, and that wasn't, you know what I mean? That felt like could have just been any run of the mill kill scene and not 
the finale. So yeah, yeah that did feel and, a little weird. And it it stayed on her inside the car when he was doing the slaughtering. Like the rest of the movie, it's not afraid to kind of show the slaughter happen. Well, I mean, I guess it does hide it sometimes, but it's not afraid to. And then at the end, it it just veers off and it says, "Ah, eh, we're not going to show you all that. We're not going to show you any payoff or anything like that." Uh, and I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say I like the humor. I thought that was nice. I thought it was funny. Uh, I thought the direction was fine and the photography, cinematography. I thought all oh, that was actually great. But I the acting uh, was really good too. Yeah, yeah, acting was good. But I think the writing and the actual plot devices and the movie itself just coming together didn't sell me on. It didn't sell me on a Candyman two, which that's what it seemed like it was doing. I think it's going. I think it's going to get one. Oh, I'm sure it seems to be making some money. Dude, literally my entire theater was packed. Yeah, it, it made like $22 million at the box office, and it did not cost that much money. So I think that was number one, too. So, I mean, you know, COVID times, it's different. But $22 million for a horror movie is not the worst, especially if it's a lower budget like that. But uh, And it's during COVID times. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I felt like I kept missing something in the movie. Like, like there there's... Just a sense of, I don't know if I'm going to get what I came here for, or, you know. Uh, what what, do you, what was the worst movie, or worst movie, worst scene in the movie for you? I, I hope it's the same scene. Worst scene? I couldn't tell well, I mean, you exactly. in, in terms of the In terms of your biggest complaints, like things that were problematic with the plot. Or I don't know, pacing I thought the climax was just so underwhelming, it was weird. Uh, I thought the speed up of which his transformation took place was really stupid and weird. Like, it felt like one second he's a normal dude and next second Candyman. And yeah, yeah. I, f- I felt like it was like a pacing thing similar to that, but it was like the cap off of like when he fully embraced him being the Candyman. He went and talked to his mom, a character who we gave zero fucks about, or, you know, his quote unquote mom, I guess. Um, and just like that whole scene felt so weird and forced and felt like a lapse in both of their acting, but it could have just been how poorly the scene was written. I think it was just and out like, of place. Yeah, and it, it just like we had no need for that. Like it was either going to be assumed and obvious or it was going to be a twist. And it was neither. It just told us something we already knew. So I was like, this it just like prolonged a movie that didn't need to be any longer and it and it was Almost short like, too. Like I can't, I can't it, say it was, you know, uh, a trudge or anything because no, it, it, it was ninety minutes. Yeah. It was ninety minutes, maybe fewer if you count credits. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever said make a movie longer, but I don't know. This movie didn't seem like it reached the the goal it was trying to achieve. It, I don't know. It, it didn't really do anything crazy. Uh, I couldn't recommend this to anybody, even if you're a horror fan. I couldn't really. I mean, maybe I could so, recommend it. Okay, if you like horror movies, you can probably watch this shit. But yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're not, I don't know. I don't know. It costs uh, twenty five mil, and it made thirty two point five. Boom! Already made it back. Easy money. Yeah. So easy money indeed. Yeah. So but I yeah, wouldn't um, doubt Candyman too. I'm kind of I'm kind of good with just popping a review in here. And yeah, I'm, I'm very middled by this, or it's very middling. Uh, I want to say five, five, or six. I was going to go 5-5, five, five, so yep. perfect. Move on. 5-5 five, five out of 10. Don't really watch it unless you're really in. If you're really into the idea of a horror movie that centers around gentrification as a backdrop, then by all means, watch this movie. If you're not, eh, you can pass. <laughs> but, all right, uh, so yeah. then we have uh, Halsey's If I Can't ha- uh, 
if I can't have love, I want power. I I C H L I W P. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> um, I'll say very briefly. This surprised me a lot in mostly a good way. Just from the so this is a it's a trope that we have now on the podcast, which I like that we can talk about. It did the 1975 thing, mm-hmm. but good. Yeah. Where she better. went, I can do. <laughs> Okay, sorry, yes, better, because it wasn't awful to listen to. Um, She hit so many different genres, and I was, like, not expecting it to be that. I was expecting very Halsey pop, or, you know, like that that rock pop that she sometimes transitions into. But this hit, like, weird, like, 90s dance techno shit, and then also went into, like, early 2000s, like, Britney pop, and then, like, some, like... Early 2000s dance techno shit, like, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and then like goth pop, and then kind of like more modern stuff, and then very Halsey stuff in there as well. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised. Of course, it's on the longer side for what I want, but it's not long. It's just on the longer side because the songs all have a lot to them, I guess. Right. Yeah. So it is kind of it's kind of an exhausting listen. It feels longer than it is, I guess. But yeah, the length wasn't really a problem with me. I, I don't really uh, see that as a problem. The my biggest thing is that as much as I enjoyed a lot of these songs and enjoyed the album as a whole, I feel like the flow near the end just didn't make any sense. Like, there wasn't a natural rhythm for the last three or four songs. It just felt as though it ended, you know? I It was all it was kind of weird because it started off with such a natural progression that felt right and smooth, but then, I don't know, it kind of teetered off near the end. And, I, you know, I mean, I mean, it's still all right. It's still good, but... It was weird how abrupt the changes were or how I I could only tell it was near the end just because of how weird it was. I, it wasn't like, oh, we're <laughs> calming down. We're getting to the end. It was just like, oh, no, this has got to be the end of this album. Uh, what um, were what your favorite tracks? Favorite tracks were uh, Lilith, uh, Girl is a Gun. I don't think that's any surprise there. And Whispers. Uh, Girl is a Gun, absolutely love. That's the song that reminds me of LaRue absolutely love that sound uh i don't even know how to describe it i you said goth pop and i don't know what that even means maybe it fits under it's that like, i don't know it's like it's like no it's like the big orchestral sounds and like a lot of reverb on the voice so that's oh, really like echoey gothic. gotcha okay. yes gotcha. yes yes gotcha. like cathedrally shit <laughs> yeah, so not goth pop okay yeah so this was the early late 2000s LaRue dance house kind of music uh and those songs i really liked but i want to just mirror that and say i didn't i didn't hate these two songs but 1121 and honey felt really dated in a weird way as if they they borrowed so heavily from pop like 10 years ago that it it felt kind of weird and just not modern or not as modern as the rest of the album gives off which one sorry uh 1121 and honey uh, I, I didn't hate the songs. I didn't, like, dislike the songs. They just fell way less modern than the rest of this album, and it kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, but really, I didn't hate any of the songs. I didn't dislike any of the songs, so I think that's really a positive in itself. Uh, what, what were uh, your top ones? So Girls a Gun was on my list. Um, Whispers was also on my list. Nice. But then I I liked 1121. I didn't care for Honey that much, but I liked 1121 because it was so different. Um because again, at this point in the album, I was like, this is just so like all over the place that it, and again, I didn't listen to it continuously. 
so that was my thing is like I basically was like jumping into it almost like a playlist. And so like that, it worked very, very well. Um, I, I still did it sequentially, obviously, but I just kept jumping into the song at different moments and different periods. And so it just kept hitting me because I would think I was like ready to hear the last thing I had heard. And then it would just like change the ball completely. And um, basically it was like a string of them. So I liked Girls A Gun and then all the way down to one one two one. So I liked You Asked For This, Darling, one one two one. Skip Honey, and then I liked Whispers. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, but basically, the middle of the album, I just thought was all really, really good. I was like, sure. "This is this is dope." Yeah, I don't know whether it's the fact that I knew Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross produced this, but the production on this album's really phenomenal. I just don't I've, know if the songs themselves are selling me. I'm curious how well this would fit with the movie that she did it, because obviously it's a combo art thing, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, <laughs> I'm not going to drive four hours to go watch a one hour movie in theaters about an album that I don't really care about. So, yeah. And um, I'll also I'll talk about. No, no, my turn. My turn to talk. <laughs> I'll also talk so about. It... No, okay. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it particularly captured the gravity of its theme because. Just, just okay. Just the album cover, you know. You can kind yeah, of tell what this album's strong. about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just don't know if these songs really conveyed the seriousness and the gravity, like I said, of uh, you know, childbirth. I'm pretty sure that's the whole maternity, childbirth, all that. Uh, I, I almost thought that would lend itself to a more natural progression, and maybe that's why the ending kind of fell off to me because. I don't. I don't know. It's for for it's a really cool theme and a really, uh, I don't know. Not, not what's the the opposite of trivial. Uh, really, you know, a really cool idea. Serious. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't Important. know. I don't know what I'm looking for. But uh, it, it's a neat idea, and I don't know if it hit the mark. Really. Uh, it's a good album. I'll say it's a good one. Uh, it's not bad by any means. I just think it could have been better with the setup it had and the background it has. Significant. Yeah, maybe significant. Important? Maybe significant. I don't know. Whatever. Um, mate novel. Mate novel. Novel. That's it. The The theme is very Novelty. novel, but it just doesn't really doesn't really do it for me. I, as much as I enjoy like the songs apart from each other, you know, I just think this album as a whole is not the greatest thing we've listened to. Not even the best pop album we've listened to this year, so... Well, I think my biggest issue with it is that, I mean, like you're saying, like maybe I just needed that movie to tie into it to make it feel like it has the weight that she's trying to convey. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a very almost like Beyonce lemonade power moment of yes. like, look who I am. Like I'm queen of the fucking earth. Like I kick ass. And those are great vibes to project. And when done right, a la Lemonade, you make, of course, like one of the best albums of all time. But in this case, I just fell short because it didn't feel like it had that significance and that momentum, that continuity through it. It was very much all over the place. And it, I'm sure it touched on a lot of those themes, but you can't have like, if you're going to do that kind of weighty, powerful, touching, thought provoking type of album, you can't have like a, a, a dance house song on it yeah, <laughs> so, sadly as much as i like as much as i hate that fact <laughs> uh I, I i don't know um i don't know i i think it's funny 
to me just personally and kind of a meta note i think it's funny that i liked an album that i described as had trent reznor-esque things with happier than ever more than i like this actual trent reznor album <laughs> but uh i i don't know do you, is there much more you can say about it um um i would say like the movie you should listen to this if you like halsey you like pop you like 1975 and all those are probably a venn diagram of one circle but uh <clears throat> also if you're not into pop i think um i think it's like both extremes i think if you're kind of in the middle this is probably like too all over the place for you to really care about any whole look of it like i'm sure the singles on the radio you'll probably care about but as a project you won't care but i think people who are on either extreme will probably like this which is kind of interesting because i don't know that i've found i've thought of pop albums in that context of like um, traditional pop listeners versus people who really don't like pop like this thing. Cause I think Billie Eilish's first album kind of fit that role. And that's why it got so popular. I mean, um, that I don't sense, know that yeah. her, I don't know that her second album fit that role. Depends, anyway, probably, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what score were you thinking? Maybe this is probably like seven, six, five material for yeah, me. Six, five, seven, literally. Well, actually uh, I so had six to seven, five was my real range, but like, yeah, six, five, seven. <laughs> like, so we'll say six seven five. Sure, six seven five <laughs> from the worst critic. I don't know how many quarter ratings we've given, but it's too many already. Whenever okay. we, whenever we get our website, we'll plot like a bunch of graphs and put right. the pictures. Yeah, and just yeah, sort by score, and there will all be those quarter ones that are like a little it, better. If you're a tech savvy designer or web kind of guy shoot us an email at uh bad friends worst critics at gmail.com and uh we'll uh we'll uh entertain your ideas for website design wow just giving our email away like that uh please, yeah. please email us hack our email uh bad friends worst critics at gmail.com anything else you want to say that's pretty much it um i halsey's hot wow Okay, I mean, I don't, know any, I don't know if anyone was disputing this, John. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I feel like that's probably most of the artists we review. I, I think to get to this point, you got to be like a little hot, right? Like you can't just be. <laughs> I don't know. Now we got to take a moment, everybody. Hold I don't on. Know. Now okay, I got to. If we through. go back in time and look at uh... Lord Hot Pressure Machine Killers Hot Happier Than Ever Billie Eilish Isaiah Rashad Goldlink. Like, Isaiah Rashad, uh, yeah. Link, uh, Leon Bridges, Vince yep. Staples. Yep. Well, uh, Vince Staples, maybe. He's he's just no, really Staples. good. <laughs> no, no, no. He's got a good body. His face is a little bit eh, but he's got a good body. Uh, what's back on my mind? Is that her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back on my mind, yeah. So, hot. It's, it's, it's not a coincidence, John. It's not a coincidence. Get Lost Tyler, hot. Culture, hot. Boy in the Corner, old. You can't really count it, you know, that doesn't really count. Bismilla? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, you know, maybe. Well, the front man, the front man seemed to do it. Uh, Beyonce hot, J. Cole hot, Gorillas is a dude, not even cartoon characters, are you into hente? I like, don't know, I don't really, I can't picture Damon Albarn's face right now, so maybe, we're putting that on the maybe. Uh, smiling with no teeth? I don't remember what that guy ah, looks like. You know, like. he might he might not fit the bill. I'm so sorry, Lil Genesis Sawusu. So Lil Yachty. Lil Yachty's ah, not hot. Yeah, I mean, sure. Parcels. I think they are uh, from their album cover, but that could just be because they're doing that retro. What was it? Kendrick. Oh, see, well, 
he's and just he's a master in rapping, so it actually he's doesn't matter. Now. Yeah, <laughs> he's hot now. Uh, John Mayer, okay. Yeah. We um, go down the line and objectify everything. I think the majority, if not the huge no, I mean, majority. yeah, of course. We've only said like four that aren't hot out of the 30-something that we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, you know, in case you were wondering if everybody was hot, we just answered it for you. But that'll be episode 44 of The Worst Critics. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we will see you next week where we will be reviewing Drake's album Certified Lover Boy. Uh, hopefully it comes out this time. And the new, is it a Netflix movie? Uh, which one? Vacation Friends. Hulu. Hulu. And the new Hulu movie, Vacation Friends, with our favorite actor, Lil Rel Howery. Uh, we will see you next <laughs> week on episode 45 of The Worst Critics. We're out of here.